0: Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Be gracious to Him. Parents, you can breathe now. They're not your responsibility right now. Oh, man, I'm so excited about uh, this series. and just some of the things that God has really uh, showed us uh, as we approach this year about some of the things that are in His heart. And, uh, you know, this first series we're going to look at is our people series. I couldn't find no fancy words to figure out how to. I always like to kind of something that's flashy and catchy, but all I can say, it's a people series. We're going to be focusing on people, why people are so important, why our focus needs to be people-driven rather than process-driven or program-driven. And uh, today, I just uh, hope, hope as we look at the first part of this, uh, we're going to take six or seven weeks and we're going to look at it from different angles, different thoughts. Um, we're, me and Pastor Jim are trying to work together to say, Lord, what is in your heart in regards to people in the life of the church? You know, what is what is in your heart, Lord? You know, and, and help us to communicate that to you. You know, so this year, God gave us three focus points, okay? So he, he wanted us to focus on people, he wanted us to focus on purpose, and he wanted us to focus on his presence, Okay, so that people series that we are going to start today focuses on knowing who you are as sons and daughters of God. So when we complete this series, I hope that you have at least heard enough of the Word of God that you understand who you are. You understand that? Who you are. Personally, not not me understanding who I am, but you understanding who you are. Okay? Okay. And secondly, we wanted to focus on purpose. So purpose focuses on the why you were created and realizing that God has a plan for your life. You know, I know sometimes we walk around in life and we're like, what is my purpose? What is my plan? What am I supposed to be doing? And we know that without a purpose, it's going to be hard to be driven. If there's no goals, if there's no plans, if you do not know your purpose, I, we we believe that you will not thrive in all that God has called you to be. But if we discover purpose, then that stirs passion. And then that causes us to be all that God has called us to be. And, and, it, and I think that's unpacked when we realize, you know, God's plan specifically for your life. And then thirdly, we're going to look at the presence, you know, focusing on how to invite God's presence into every moment of your life, from your personal life, from your family life, in your community, in your homes, all of those dynamics, okay? So today we're going to start focusing on people, okay? So this year, God put it in my heart to take an additional focus on people. You know, now, I know that a lot of you, the first thing you're going to say, well, Pastor, no, aren't churches supposed to focus on people? The answer is absolutely yes, right? But he has put in my heart that we really focus, you know, above and beyond just the normal focus of people. You know, it's just, this isn't just we shake your hand, hey, thanks, for much, thanks, thanks so much, see your face, appreciate you coming. Hey, have a good week. Hey, did you put your offering in? Hey, that's it. I'm, not talk, I'm, not talk, I'm talking way more than just, you know, encountering people, but I'm talking with a focus investing in people. It's going to be a little radical, okay? You know, now, I know that for the church to be healthy, there has to be a balance between doing, you know, the things that need to be done, but then focusing on people. I feel like our church has that healthy balance of doing most of the things that need to be done for our church to thrive, I mean, that's one side of it. But then focusing on people this year, I want it, and just hear this phrase, I want there to be an over-the-top focus on people. You know, that, that, as our church, one of those pillars is that, man, these, these guys really care about people. They really care about me. They're actually calling to check on me. They're not calling on me to, to just check on me, make sure I'm giving my offering, right? You know, that there's, you know it's going to look very, very radical in, in a way that you say, you know, well, what's in it for them, there is no motive, but you are our motive to invest in you, to love you, to challenge you, to cause you to be, see yourself as God sees you. We want this ah moment to hit you this year where you will know who you are as a son and daughter of God. Because then I don't have to keep encouraging you and tell you who you are because you know who you are. A lot of people deal with an identity crisis, midlife crisis, all of these crises, right? Right? But if we know who we are, I think it will not be as catastrophic, right? And I know when we're younger, we have it all figured out. I want to be this. I want to be that. And then we get a little bit older and we figure out, wow, you know, I'm five foot flat and I can't play for the NBA, <laughs> right? You know, it's just you know, all your dreams are crushed. You know, if God only would have built me with an extra two foot, right? You know, you know sometimes that reality is hard. But it's not necessarily what you do, but it's who you are. And then when we figure out who we are, the byproduct of what we do now matters. I want you guys to see that connection point. So knowing who you are in Christ. You know, so I want our minds to think about, first and foremost, who needs to be ministered to before what needs to be done in the church facility this year. I know we spent a lot of effort and energy this last year focusing on what needed to be done, what needed to be replaced, what walls are about to fall over that we need to make sure they don't fall over, right? You know, but I want our focus to be on, hey, how can we meet the needs of people first and foremost before, hey, what needs to be done in the facility? Now, somebody said, so, Pastor no, we're not doing any projects this year? No, I didn't say that. But the focus, the emphasis is on people, And I'm busting up all my my pastoral staff, my leaders. Uh, You know, I want people to be people-driven. Because I know if if we invest in people, guess what? The processes and the programs are going to be phenomenal. Because we have healthy people. You know, we don't want great processes and procedures and people that are bleeding out and wounded and don't know their identity. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they were created for. They're not experiencing the presence of the Lord. And then we're saying, hey, be excited about serving in this area. And you're like, I don't even know who I am, Pastor Noe. Noe. I don't even know why I was created. Right? Some of these things that we're going to look at. And I know that there has to be that balance because we have to strive to take care of God's people and practically glorify God in our time and talents and what we do and what we offer. You know, organizations or churches, you know, that are primarily process-driven, you know, can only be more people-focused if they focus their time their resources and their effort in the direction of people's needs being met so churches can get really really good at doing things but are they really really good at ministering to people churches you've got to be in the people business you know and I know sometimes it's hard to love a whole lot of people or you get you get in this one relationship with somebody that just rubs you the wrong way well have you ever realized maybe God put that person there to change you rather than to annoy you? You know, I know the people that have challenged me the most. I'm not talking about anybody in specific in this room, right? But the ones that have challenged me the most have caused me to grow the most. In the grace of the Lord, or I start praying more than I ever have when I come around them because I've have, got to have a heart check, right? You know, ministering to people. So what do I mean by ministering to people? I, I mean, you know, praying for people, listening to people. You know, you know sometimes some of the best things you can, just listen. You know, I've had people talk to me or meet with me. They talk the whole time. I'm like, man, that's cool. And they're like, man, I feel better. Thanks, Pastor. I was like, I do nothing but listen. Sometimes just listening does does wonders for people. You know, what about encouraging in the Word? You know, that's something. You know, I know that sometimes that's the cliche. Oh, well, Pastor, no, he's always pulling scriptures up. But man, I live by it. This isn't something I just do on a Sunday. If there's something I'm going through, I see what the scripture says. I encourage people with the scripture. I encourage myself through the scripture. So we have to encourage people in the word. Maybe it's just being there for others. I tell people all the time, man, if you need something, let me know. And I say that genuinely. And the other day I told a pastor, I said, hey, if you don't ever call me and you need something and you get a bind, and you don't call me, shame on you. Because I was serious about it. I said, you need something, anything, let me know really have to care about people and focus on ministering to people. You know, as a pastor of this church, I feel like I have continually focused on pursuing excellence in everything we do. You know, my heart is that if we can't do something excellent, we don't do it. Right? You know, I don't want the perception of people to say, well, man, Harvest Time Church, do they even care? Look what they're doing. Like, you know, like, it's horrible. You know, there's always detail taken in, in pursuing excellence. So, so just hear me as I talk about this. There has to be this balance of excellence but also this pursuit of people that, that's passionate and extravagant. But you don't throw away the excellence because everything we do is unto the Lord, right? Even a pursuit of loving people or investing in people. You know, God, you know, spoke to me, you know... Uh, yeah, as I was praying, and, I, and he, he said, are you willing to focus on what is most important to me? Pause, and he, and he stopped for a minute. I was like, man, that sounds like a loaded question. Because if I ask you that, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. First, he's going to get you to agree to the terms, and then he's going to tell you what he thinks. So I really felt the Lord say, are you willing to focus on what is most important to me? And then he responded, he says, then focus on my people. Man, chairs are great. AC is great. I saw some ladies trying to cool down. We turn the air on. It's great, but the most important thing is what? People. People is the most important. Chairs will wear out. Pews will be replaced. Carpet will be wore out. Hopefully, our floors will last forever. That was the plan. Might not happen, but you know. But but people. If we make an investment in people, I believe we can change the world. So he said, focus on people, Noe. That that needs to be your focus. John 21, 15 through 17 in the NIV. Uh, I'm going to throw some scriptures in here just kind of, you know, talking about some of these things. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, uh, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. So this was his response. Jesus said, then feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Okay, so let's pause here and just look at this story. So if your spouse is asking you if they love you and and they ask you twice, oh, I'm in trouble already, man. Like, I mean, like, I said I loved you when I married you. Wasn't that good enough? You know, and then you're asking me once. Okay, you're asking me twice. And he says it one more time. He says, yes, Lord, I love you. And then the third time he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? So at this point, Peter was hurt. You know, that that, that translation also says grieved. He was like, man, well, you know, maybe me and Jesus aren't as tight as I thought we were, right? You know, so he's grieved. He's cut to the heart. But Jesus asked him the third time. He says, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. If we look at the New King James Version, you know that it says, you know, it really caught me off guard because it said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, and feed my sheep. And I was like, so Jesus, you're going to say the same thing three times. So then I looked at the NIV, and there's actually, and the NIV does a good job as far as breaking it up. It says, first and foremost, feed my lambs. And then he says, take care of, right? Take care of the sheep. And then he says, feed my sheep. So, in essence, what he's saying in this passage is that, you know, um, that, that a lamb is a young sheep. Well, how many of you know that every child we just sent out is a young sheep? It's a lamb, right? So they're just as important. As each of us, the command is exactly the same, that we invest in them just as much as I invest in you. Just because I just preach on Sunday to adults doesn't mean that I don't care about children. You know right now I got my greatest asset in children's ministry? Y'all know who that is? It's my wife. One of my greatest assets, she's back there serving the children because we see the value of investing in children. They're people because we know that they will grow they're moldable, they're shapeable, they're, you know, they're, they're easily influenced. And the world, let me tell you what, is doing it regardless if the church is doing it or not. So why not take, take the same approach and we influence our children? We invest in them. We feed the lambs, the, the young ones. So then he says, you know, so in this passage what Jesus was really saying, practically he was saying feed the young sheep, feed the older sheep, and shepherd over the flock. Take care of them. And the sheep always represented What? people. Right? He didn't say build the fence. He didn't say cut the grass. He said worry about the sheep. Right? So the focus is always on people. You know, so we have to realize that the church was never intended to be about a building or a place. It's always been about the people of God. You know, I know COVID challenged us a little bit because we were like, hey, man, the church is shutting down. Well, if the church was being shut down, that was not the church. Now we had to close the building and we figured out how we were going to navigate as COVID ramped up and what are we going to do. And we couldn't meet corporately, but that never destroyed the, the church. Our perception of what the church was kind of got shook a little bit because we're like, oh, well, what about the lights and the stage? And I have to go to church to be the church. No, that's something I think that we've made it. Now, there is power in the corporate gathering. There's scriptures that say, hey, do not forsake the gathering of the saints, as some of you are in a habit of doing, right? But there's multiple facets, right? It it says, you know, the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. And let me tell you what, COVID was not the gates of hell for the church. Now, some of them it affected them like that. It shut the whole thing down. I said, oh, no, you're going to have to try harder than that devil, Right? The church is me. The church is you. You know, people is what makes up the church. The people of God is what is important to God. Then I thought for a little bit longer. You know, and I even had a bigger kingdom-minded thought. You know, I tell a lot of people that. You know, my father-in-law always busts me up about how many hours I work every week. And I said, "Listen, I said my brain never cuts off." I said, "So run the clock." I clock in, I don't know when I clock out, right? Maybe I go to sleep, maybe I watch a movie, something that takes my mind off of focusing. I'm always on the clock. But, so I was having one of these moments where my mind was, I was just thinking about the message, I was thinking about the topic, and then God will deposit sometimes these kingdom minded thought processes. You ever had that happen? We're like, that don't make sense, he says, I know, because you're thinking in a carnal worldly kind of way, you're not thinking kingdom minded. And, stri- and I feel like I'm a kingdom minded guy, so I'm just kind of like, okay, Lord, you always one up me. When I think I figured out. So I had this thought, you know, of a bigger kingdom-minded thought. And I said, you know, are, are just the church people important to God? Or are all people important to God? All right, careful. Hold on with me. Because sometimes our actions and our attitude will point to what's important. Pastor Noah, I thought we were talking about people. Oh, we are. All right, let's keep going. So one thing that He really revealed, so if we stay focused within the four walls of the church, it reflects that we believe only the church people are important. But if we invest outside the four walls of the church, then it reflects that all people are important. Say that one more time. I don't know if you got it. Did you get it? Didn't get it? All right, let me read one more time. If we stay within the four walls of the church, it reflects that we believe only the church people that gather are important. But if we invest outside the four walls of the church, then it reflects that all people are important. Right? People in the world do not come to church just free willily, willingly. It would catch us off guard if it started happening. We're like, oh, man, this guy looks rough around the edges. Who invited him? Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think our perspective would totally be, you know, we, we would not be comfortable. We'd say, oh, is it safe? Is it, you know, like, but I think this radical approach of we got to get sa- outside the four walls of the church to impact the people that Jesus was concerned about impacting. I was challenging a teenager last week. I said, hey, you ready to preach? He looked at me and said, oh, not me. I said, I said, how many times have you heard me preach? Man, a lot. I said, and you're not ready? You can't make up a message that I just said and take five minutes. You know, you know." But I think that we have to get outward focused. I hope that we take what we learn here and we apply it in our lives everywhere we go, outside the four walls of the church. If I give you all of these tools and all of these ideas and all of these kingdom principles and we keep them within the four walls of the church, what good is that? We take a kingdom idea and we try to micro organize it and we put it in a little box. It said, Lord, we'll do this kingdom principle as long as it works on my terms. I know COVID had a good opportunity to show us that the church has went global, has gotten outside the four walls of the church. Some of us thrived. Some of us felt like we were going to die. I can't. I got to get back to Sundays. Well, you can call. You can have one or two people over. You can have people in your homes. Like there was still a threshold of number of people you could be around. You could still minister to the one. It never said two of us couldn't get together. So we got to radically change the way we're thinking about what kingdom focus looks like as we focus on people. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. In, in pondering that question, you know, is it just church people that are important to God or are all people important to God? 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, it says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. You guys got that right there, right? For all people. Verse 2, it says, for kings and all those in authority. I don't know how many politicians we got in here, but there's people in authority that you may not agree with, but what does it say to do for them? Petitions, prayer, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people, the kings, those in authority. And here's the reason why, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Verse 3, this is good. So he he responds, this is good. And then he says, "And, and pleases God our Savior. And this is God's heart. This is one of my favorite passages. It says, and this pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever made the silent judgment when you see someone and you say, oh, they don't deserve it. They're not worth my time. Oh, i got to leave my window rolled up. I can't talk to that guy. He might jump in the truck. You're in the truck. Hit the gas if he tries to jump in. I don't know. We, We live these lives so conservatively when there's people all around us that God loves. I want you to understand this reality. People are the most important thing to God. God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So we must care about all people just as much as God cares about all people. Now, unless our heart changes, we won't be able to do that. Unless our perspective changes, we won't be able to do that. Now, in order to impact people this year, in the way that God has put in my heart, it's going to take all of us working together, being people focused. Okay, you know what can you do to impact the you know people with the love of God? Who who can you minister to that I can't, and who can I minister to that you can't? It's coll- it's in a collective approach. What about inside the church? What does it look like to truly love each other? It's going to take all of us as individuals, not just coming together, looking to have our needs met. You ever been there? Oh, I got to go to church. For who? For everybody else or for yourself? Most of the time we come to church selfishly. Man, I need some more Jesus. I'm running out. My cup's empty right now. To have my needs met. Who's guilty of that one? Man, if you ain't raising your hand, you're lying. I'm going to have another sermon online. Come on. You've all said it, man. i got to go to church this Sunday. I ain't been in two weeks. Devil creeping up on me. I mean, think about it. You know, you, 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 we come for selfish motives, but we have to shift that understanding. You know, not just coming to church looking to have our needs, but, but coming to church looking to your left, looking to your right, asking ourselves, how can I meet the needs of others? You ever look to your left and say, oh, man, I don't know this person over here. Maybe I should introduce myself. I wonder if they have needs. I wonder if they're doing Okay. Hey, they have kids. I wonder if their kids are doing okay. I wonder how his job's going. I know COVID's been rough on him. You know, are we focusing on the needs of others or are we so selfishly focused that we're not paying attention to any of that? It's a what's-in-it-for-me attitude. So we have to be focusing on others, meeting the needs of others, rather than just having our own personal needs met. So the key to success is, is really reaching as many people as possible with the gospel and the love of Christ. You know, big picture, it's realizing that you need me and I need you. Had a preacher tell me, says, You know what, them people really need you, Pastor Noe, even though y'all don't act like it sometimes. Or you pretend like you got it all together. You need me, but guess what? I need you. Not to just do things, but I need relationship. I need people checking on me, saying, Pastor Noe, how you doing? Man, I'm doing horrible. Thanks for asking. You gonna pray? Oh, never mind. I don't want to talk about it no more, right? Because the pastor always has it together. He doesn't carry any burdens. He's got the best job ever. He just preaches on Sunday. If you only knew what I do throughout the week, preaching's kind of the easy part sometimes. I had a pastor friend tell me, Man, if all I had to do was preach on Sunday, that'd be the greatest job ever. But we're in the people business. How many of you know the people business is messy? Don't believe me? Look at your own family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Pastor, Noah, we don't do that. We come to church. Lies, man, come on. People business is messy. You know, if we don't respond in love, if we respond out of anger and hate and bitterness, man, we destroy a whole bunch of relationships. But when we respond as the church and we're more concerned about other people than we are ourselves, laying down our lives as Christ laid down his life for the church, man, we begin to see this beautiful picture of love for each other says, how, how will you know that you're my disciples? Because of your love for what? One another. Not a love of self. Everybody loves themselves, takes care of their own. But will you love your neighbor as yourself? Will you lay down your life for the person to your left, the person to your right? Some said, man, you're challenging me. Yeah, it's challenged this this, 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 this this is radical thinking. Most people just live in the shallow Christianity of comfort. But we never do what God has really asked us to do or what Jesus has commissioned us to do. But if we realize that God loves people, God better change our heart where we can start loving people. Not just by actions, but saying, brother, I love you. Well, what have you done for him to show you his love or show you your love towards that person? Well, nothing. Think that'd be good, all right, for your wives? Say, hey, just tell me you love me or no, show me you love me. Think about that. Like it, love, love is an action also. It's not just words. Let your actions match your words. You know, so our mission and vision here at Harvest Time Church is to focus on being a home. It's focused on bringing all people into a real relationship with Christ. And, and you realize that we all have to be a part of that bringing process? So let's look at that vision. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed. On that bulletin on the very top under that, that home thing, it, all, it says it every Sunday. So you're like, man, I didn't even know it was on there, Pastor Noe. But it talks about being a home. So that acronym, the H-O-M-E, represents four things. As our vision of the church, first and foremost, a heart to serve. You're like, man, that's why you want everybody to serve? Absolutely. That's part of our heartbeat. Serving makes it not about you. Causes you to serve somebody else. Well, I don't want to. It don't matter if you don't want to. That's what Christ served. He said, you know, serve others. Do as I do. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. So if he served, guess what? We should serve. So a heart to serve. Secondly, open arms. What that means is we're open to everyone. That doesn't mean that I'm going to agree with every sin or every doctrine that you throw at me, but we love all people because God loves people. We don't agree with the sin sometimes, but we love all people. So make sure you understand it's not a tolerance of saying, oh, anybody can be a part of the church. There's requirements for church membership. There's this little phrase in there that says, "godly living a godly lifestyle, and that will hit a whole bunch of nails in the board. (laughs) Living a godly lifestyle. What does that mean, Pastor Noe? Oh, man. You know what it means. Ways of the world, that's right. You know right? So open arms. We love all people. We'll welcome in everybody. Mission minded, that there is a mission for us to accomplish. And then lastly, equip and empower. We want to equip you, but what good is equipping if we never empower you to do anything? So that's the first part of our vision is to be a home. Secondly, our mission statement. Everybody should know our mission statement. It's bringing all people into a real relationship with Christ by knowing, growing, and going towards God's given purpose. Now bringing all people, that's just not me bringing people. We all collectively have to do that. James and Cecily. What's the girl, girl, girl's name you bring? Huh? Nope, the young one. Zoe. The story that Zoe tells is so funny. The first time she came to church, I've heard it secondhand. I never heard it from her mouth. She came and she says she looked at James and Cecily. She says, why didn't you tell me about this place? It was the greatest thing ever. All we gotta do is bring the people. And I'll say, man been holding out on me, man. You just the best thing ever. Ain't nothing to do right now anyway. Why not go to church? I think that that perspective will hit home more to more people than you think. If we're not building a church that you are excited about bringing your your friends to, what are we doing? You know, and I know that there's maybe there's been seasons or times like that. Maybe, you know, that you're like, oh, maybe it's a topic or a series. You're like, yeah, I'm not bringing my friend to that. Right. But I think the DNA of who the church is, we should be building a church where everybody wants to be a part of, or maybe we're building it wrong, all right? So bringing those people require required the help from all of us. You know, uh, I know some of you may say, well, Pastor Noe, I don't know how to be a minister. Where do I start? So the first thing we have to do is we have to ask God to change our heart, that he would give us his passion and his love for people. I pray for that every week. Because there's times I get frustrated. There's times I get irritated. We have to pray for the same compassion that Christ had for people. You know, we have to say, Lord, give us your love and compassion for people. Let us not judge the world as, as others do, but let us see lost souls in need of a Savior. How many Texans fans we got in the room? Hmm. That whole right side, man. What are going to do with them? How many Cowboys fans are in here? Man, I'm going to have to recruit. Hey, I'm going to bring some more Cowboys fans maybe. I don't know. That's kind of a. So when you look at this jersey, what, 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 do you, what do you see as a Texans fan? Now, I know deep down you love me. But it says that the world looks at the outer rather than the inner. But really who I am is under this jersey is what I'm created to be and who I am. So when I wear my dress shirt, you're like, oh, Pastor, no- Pastor Noah, you're good now. But sometimes we're guilty of that. What we look on the outside and we've made, you know, if you don't know, I'm a Cowboys fan and I don't, I don't know what else I can do to tell you, right? I was raised in the glory days and one day, one day, that's our story, right? One day, we'll make it again, right? Uh said, said everybody, uh, you know, but. But we, we, we can't look on the outside. We have to look at the internal. I, I was at, when I was in Tennessee, I had a pastor tell me a story about a guy that was driving by. You ever had somebody drive by and they just look sketchy? You're like, oh, that guy, I don't know about that. But, but he was looking at him and he, and he, he was working on something. He kind of looked up, paid attention to him. He was driving real slow. The guy drove all the way to the stop sign and he kept working, didn't worry about it, but he paid attention. He was like, this tattooed, he, he just looked rough. Well, that guy turned around and came back. So when he comes back, you know, he approaches him and he's like, hey, man, what's going on? Like, you know, like, what's going on? He says, man, I was going and God told me to come back and pray for you. This is a pastor making judgments against people just by the way they look. Now, he learned a hard lesson in this. We don't want to judge people by outward appearance, but we want to look at the heart. We want to look at how God fashioned and formed them with a purpose and a plan and speak to that destiny even when it's not that we might call them into the family of God. Somebody loved you when you were unlovable. Maybe it was just your mama because she had to. (laughs) But hopefully somebody along the line loved you in a way as Christ loved the church. Let's look at Genesis real quick. I'm just going to talk about the quick creation story. Uh, But Genesis 1 through 3, you have all of that. So in the beginning, God began... And He started creation. He created light and He separated the darkness, making day and night. He formed the skies. He gathered the water into one place so that dry land could appear. He created the plants and the trees, the sun and the moon and the stars, all living creatures that live in the the sea and fly in the sky. He also created animals that lived on the land. Once all of these were created, God saw that it was good. But He wasn't done yet. He 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 had not yet created mankind. But then He created mankind in His image to rule and to reign and have dominion on the earth. He created them to be fruitful and to multiply. Once mankind was created and all authority had been given to Him, God saw that it was just not good, but it was very good. We have to realize that, that humanity, that, that, that mankind was God's most spectacular creation. We have to realize that if we're going to love people, if we're going to focus on people, why are people so important? Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So that handiwork, that worksmanship, that masterpiece, every masterpiece, do you realize has markings of its creator all through it? And in this marking, we reflected His image said be fruitful be multiply rule and subdue the earth he released the same authority he had to us didn't take long for us to mess it up but he released it we have to understand god's original plan so really you know when i look at how many of you know who thomas kincaid is You've ever seen one of his images? Man, he, you know, he's one of my favorite artists. You know, he, he does, he, he uses shadows and he uses light and he uses texture and contrast. And he creates these, these environmental pictures that, that are, to me, are just phenomenal. And, and, and as I look at it, you know, he, use, he uses all of these things, you know. And if I'm looking at a group of pictures, I can usually pick out which one's his. Because I'm familiar with the brush strokes and the phasing and the colors and the textures. You know, if I'm going through, oh, that's that one. Now, I've seen some art. I don't even know how the heck it's art. You ever seen that? Michelangelo is some good, you know, and then there's these ones that it's just like, why is it art? Because you're the first one they created. I said, I should be a millionaire because my kids create art every day. But yet I can't sell it for anything, right? But there is this marking, I can always pick it out. You know, I have grown to recognize his painting style and the signature touches of his paintings. So, our lifestyle and image should expose the signature and detail of God, our creator. We should reflect and draw people to the image of our creator. Much of us are like clay. You know, we are in the potter's hands, being formed and fashioned as he has created us to be. Isaiah 64 8. It says, Yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all a work of your hand. So we got to see all of creation with purpose. We got to see all people as valuable. Right? Don't see yourself as more privileged or more important or somebody less important or not worth your time. Are you serious? Come on. You know what a smile will do to somebody sometimes? I do one of two things. I tell them I'm smiling under my mask, or I straight up in rebellion pull the mask down and I smile at them. But I want people to know man, I'm smiling at you. I love you. I'm trying to encourage you. I want people to know that I care. I mean, even, even, the, I, I run into so many people that I know they don't love their job. They're just doing it. They're just trying to make it. You ever been there? I try to remember when I was there. I was like, Lord, you better multiply these finances because I ain't making nothing after taxes come out. Trying to hustle, just trying to make it. I needed encouraging in that season of my life, so why can't I encourage others in that season of their life? Just like the potter forms something beautiful from the lump of clay, your Father in heaven has formed and fashioned you beautifully, fearfully, and wonderfully. You realize that this is who you are, and God does not make mistakes. I want you to hear that. I think some of us have believed that, like, God messed up with me. He dropped the clay. No, he didn't drop the clay. He doesn't drop the clay. He 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 doesn't mess up. We have to realize who God is, so let's dig a little bit deeper in that. Right? Psalms 139, 14, it says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Do you know that this morning? Do you know that? You say, well, I'm trying, Pastor Noe. But when you realize that, you'll begin to realize that in others. You know, some of the, some of the, most, the, the biggest reasons we cannot in, you know, minister to other people is because we still are so in need ourselves. You can't love others because you don't love yourself. But you don't see yourself as the handiwork of God, formed and fashioned beautifully, wonderfully, specifically made for a specific purpose. Am I really valuable to the potter you are? Because you've been created with purpose and a plan as he has seen fit. As we continue, you know, in this series, I hope that you realize who you are. I want each of you to see yourself as God sees you, not as you see yourself. Do you know that we are so quick to pick out the flaws in our own lives, but God is so quick to pick out the beauty? We're like, but Lord, what about this? Hey, what about this? That's how Father God always does. Anytime I, I, try, I am discouraging myself, God points out the beauty amongst the ashes. He creates something great out of nothing. He formed form mankind out of the dust of the earth. What is the dust of the earth? We walk, we trample on it. It's insignificant until God takes it in his hands and he forms it and he fashions it and he breathes life into it. And when that happens, now there is something beauty that is beautiful and purposeful. That's His creation. Do you realize that God does not have to work to be perfect, but He's perfect? Pat said that last week. It was so powerful. He doesn't have to work to be perfect. He is perfect. He doesn't mess up. Psalms 1830, it says, As for God, His ways are perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in Him. Deuteronomy 32.4, it says, He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is He. That is who He is. The only way we can unravel that God messed up is if we believe the lie that God is not perfect. You realize that? God does not mess up. People have to be important to us because why? People are important to God. You are important to God. You know This is going to be our core scripture that we're going to look at as we focus on this people series, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. If we look at this passage in John 14, 8 through 14, you know, uh, Philip is challenging Jesus and he says, Lord, show us the Father and it'll be enough for us. So Jesus answers. He says, do you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you such a long time, Anyone who has seen me has already seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Uh, the, The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works that I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask whatever, anything in my name and I will do it. We have to understand that same configuration, the Father was living inside of me, and so therefore I did the work. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me, so guess what? We should be doing the same work. It should be consistent. Just like everybody saw God in Jesus and Jesus in God because they were connected, the world should see us as followers of Jesus because we are full of the Holy Spirit, doing the works, receiving the love, releasing the love, all of those things that are important in being who God has called us to be. We should be a reflection of Jesus to the world. When you look at yourself, do you see Jesus coming out? Or you see a whole lot of flesh and a whole lot of self? I'm not saying we've all arrived, guys. We're all in need of a Savior every single day. But I believe that if every day, if we approach a day saying, Lord, help me to be kingdom-focused... Help me me be mindful of the people around me and help me to love like you love. I believe that our days will be different. You know, every time I pray for for an opportunity to encounter somebody, I always encounter it and I know it's there. And I'm like, ooh, I asked for it. Now I have a chance to do something with it. I can take a little bit of time or I can be in a hurry, right? I got things to do. I don't have time to sit here and talk. Because, I mean sometimes I ask people, hey, how you doing all the time? I don't know if that's a pastor thing, but I mean the moment you see, either if you say, I'm doing great, and your shoulders say, Hey, you sure? I mean, I got I mean, I learned a long time ago in school said, Hey, if you notice their eyes are not looking at you or their their, their shoulders are dropped or their heads looking at you, something ain't right. Look at the signs. Ponder just for a moment and just say, Hey, are you sure? Man, if you really want to be both, hey, is it all right if I pray for you? Man, you talk about you'll get spiritual real real quick or or get an opportunity real quick to minister the love of Christ to somebody. I mean even just tell somebody, hey, "You know God loves you." You know that's not a lie, right? You may not love them at that moment cuz you don't know, but the truth is God loves them. Says he gave, he 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 wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of Christ. You're not lying. You're just being an advocate to the from the Lord saying, "Hey God, you know God loves you." Man, the moment you say that, something is going to happen. They're going to start talking about, oh, well, let me tell you what I think about God. (laughs) Then you see what comes out. Apologize. That's what I always do when somebody's been hurt by the church or, you know, has a bad experience with God, you know, or whatever. Like most of the time it's because the perception was wrong. It was the handiwork of the devil, not the handiwork of God in their life. And they blame the devil for something God never intended to happen. Maybe it was a byproduct of sin and just the fallen world we live in and you're blaming God, but yet it was man's choice that... Put us in this downward spiral and, you know, but that's not God's heart. It actually says that he grieves with those who are hurting and broken. Right? You know, be that advocate. Right? But just take a moment. Take some time. Don't be in a hurry. We should all be reflecting Jesus to the world. People will be important to us because people are important to God. Hey, say this after me. Say, people matter. Say it one more time. People matter. And as you walk around, people to your left, people to your right in the grocery store, the mom that's struggling with the three kids and trying to get the groceries in the car, whatever it is, people matter. Can I help you? Can I help, you know, you really feel in the love? Pay for their groceries or something. Do something radical that's going to show the tangible love of God. You know, Becky and I have been looking for opportunities to uh, bless people in radical kind of ways. I always laugh. I tell people all the time, I said, every time I have cash in my wallet, God tells me to give it. So I learned, don't keep cash in your pocket, (laughs) no? No, I'm just playing. That's not my heart. But I'm serious. You know, and sometimes I know what I have in there, and sometimes it's a lot, and it's costly. You know, the other day, uh, I'll just expose myself a little bit. It was kind of funny. My kids always ask for offering. Well, all I had was 20s and 10s, and I usually give them dollars. Because I give my tithe online, And so I gave like an extra, I don't know, one or two, because it wasn't just my kids. I got their whole roadload, so I'm like passing out all this money. So I was, I don't know, 60 bucks or something like that. And I was like, okay, I need to remember to tell Cecily to take that 60 out of my tithe. Man, come on, Pastor Noah, you're being that cheap. Yes, I was thinking like that. I was like, I need to take 60 out of my tithe because I already paid 60 and it was costly and I didn't give him a dollar. And then... I sent my tithe check through, and I was like, oh, no, I didn't take out that 60 and, and then and the, Lord was, I just felt the Lord was just looking at me like this. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> and it was a heart check because it was just like, can I not be that generous? Because once I gave my tithe, then I could give my offering. So really, that's offering category now. And my, now I didn't even get no tax deduction for it. I just threw it in the bucket. Come on. You know, I'm just being transparent real, but all these thoughts went through your pastor's mind. So I know you're being challenged with those things sometimes. <laughs> But God is calling us to be radically, extravagantly, you know, in in our giving. I want to walk up and do something. And, you know, know, uh, Church of the Highlands is a church out of Alabama. Uh, they, They have these cards, and I know we got invite cards and different things like that. But the card says, just a little bit of something extra to know God cares. And I think about that. I don't know what the waitress is going through. I don't know what the people around me are going through. You know, uh, man, I got this nice cooler for my, for my birthday, and I'm real frugal with my finances. I could not buy a Yeti ice chest. I don't know if you own one. If you do, praise God for it. I could not justify my mind buying a Yeti. So I bought a Magellan. Super nice. So guess what? I've been keeping sodas in the back of my truck, testing the ice theory, right? So one of these radical ways of how can I bless people all the time, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep sodas and water cold in my truck and given the opportunity, I'm gonna pass them out. You know, so the other day, you know, the lady was in the back of the mail truck getting all her stuff. I I walked over, I said, I said, are you a soda drinker? She's like, I was like, man, I'm walking all the way over here trying to bless you and you're shrugging your shoulders. I said, are you a Dr. Pepper or a Rubik? Oh, I like Ruby." She was all excited then. I said, here you go, be blessed. And I just walked away. All I wanna do is be the hands and feet of Jesus. If the name of harvest time comes up, great. But I'd rather the name of Jesus come up. Because I'm sure people, hey, well, man, what church you go to? Well, just so and I'm going to tell, if they ask me, I will tell them. But my motive is not to tell them about harvest time, but my heart is to tell them about Jesus. That's the motive. Man, that's a lot to give, I know. But it's all right, because Jesus gave a lot. Let me tell you the greatest story ever. And man, I, then I get opportunities to share the love of Christ in a practical way, because of extravagant giving. Your pastor is a a giver, even when I'm stingy on the front row. (laughs) Man, I hope that blesses you and encourages you. People say, man, we love when you're transparent. I just got to always remember how transparent to be, right? But it's good stuff. It's good stuff because I believe that this year, God is going to show us how to really love people and to invest in people. Even when I look at my own bank account, am I investing in people personally? Not just with the church finances, but with my personal finances. Are we all investing in people? I know sometimes we don't think that we're valuable. So think about this. You know, if you, if you don't believe me, you know, think about the cost of something. Think about that Yeti cooler I'm talking about. If you, you ever, y'all know, you know how expensive those are, right? Every husband, did your wife tell you you couldn't get it? I bought it anyway. I don't know. I don't know how that went. Okay. So, you know, think about the cost of something, you know, something that's very costly. So you got to realize the price tag on something determines the value of something, right? It, it, it identifies the value. But secondly, there has to be a buyer. It has to be worth it to the buyer to purchase it because if it doesn't matter. I remember a long time ago when I was collecting football cards. Dad, this car's going to be worth $1,000. He says, find a buyer and then I'll believe you, right? That was always the story of it. It's only worth that if you can sell it. If nobody will buy it, it's not worth anything. It don't matter what you think in your mind it's worth. Right? So let's think about this. The price tag determines the value of something, but it has to be worth it to the buyer. So think about this. When God thought of you, he not only saw the high value within you, but he would also pay the greatest price to to buy you. So the moment you think that you're not valuable... Remember that God did not only only what he did for you, but what he did for the world. He gave up his son for us that we can be called sons and daughters. And he gave up his life for others, and that's what he calls us to do. So this year, we're going to focus on people because why? People are important to God. God focuses on people. We're going to focus on people, and people matter. You guys stand up with us, and we'll get out of here. I hope you guys hear some of my excitement about some of these things we're going to strive to do as a church but i believe they are in the heart of god. and if we can just catch this understanding of a love for people, investing in people. That's what it's all about. Amen. I know to love people as god demands of us, we have to be healthy and whole. We need to be know that we're loved. And that we matter to God. Is there anybody this morning that you say, I ch- I'm challenged with that. No, just lift your hand real quick. I want to pray just real quick over you guys. You say, hey, man, I just I don't feel very valuable to God sometimes. Yeah, I see your hands. You can pick it up, put it down real quick. I'm just going to pray for you, and we'll get out of here. Once you understand your value, you will see the value in others. Amen. Father, I thank you for each one here under the sound of my voice. Father, this, this, uh, this season, as we look at this series focusing on people, God, I pray that you would just radically help us to love people. I don't care about the cost. I don't care how foolish it looks to the world. Father, I pray that we would be led by your Spirit in how to do it and when to do it. And Father, I pray for strategies of heaven to come for us, that we would know how to make an impact in the lives of people. Father, as far as for the church and the people that that you've placed in this church, Father, I pray that you would allow me to just encourage and challenge and and push each individual to their God-given potential. Father, that they would know who they are as your people. Father, I pray that you would just begin to show us how you see us and your thoughts towards us. Father, as we go from this place, help us to be people-focused in all we do. you guys say that out me. Help me be people-focused. Because we need help, whether we realize it or not. So, Father, we thank you. I bless each one here, Father, for our children and our families and our workplace, all of those things. Father, I know you're in the people business. Help us to co-labor with you as we impact the world for Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. We love you guys. Y'all be blessed. We'll see y'all next week. Greet somebody before you go. Thanks for hanging out with us. See y'all next week. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas, 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.